What are your responsibilities to the other people sitting in this church building this morning? Particularly, uh, though not limited to the fact that if you and they are, are both church members, do you have any responsibilities to them at all? Or is our duty simply to, to come, to worship and then to leave? Some of us by, by nature might take that option if we could. If we could get away with not interacting with our fellow believers on the Lord's Day. And if we could live six days without any contact with them. We might be quite happy with that. But is that the picture of Christianity that we find in the New Testament? Not at all. And no matter how attractive that picture of minimal involvement in the lives of our fellow church members might be, we'll find that it crashes head on into large parts of the New Testament. Uh, Parts such as the verse in front of us this morning in Galatians 6 verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, And... Indeed, all of these, these one another commands of the New Testament, of which there are around 50, uh, will challenge our desires if we have them for, for minimal involvement. One of the problems with the type of preaching uh, where the message each week is simply, you must be born again, is that those who are born again are shown what they're saved from, but they're not shown what they're saved to. Now don't get me wrong, you must be born again. I never want to preach a single sermon where it isn't clear to any unbelievers who are present that they must be born again. But it would be possible to pick evangelistic texts every week and actually to leave people ignorant of large parts of the New Testament's teaching and if that results in us ignoring a text like Galatians 6 2 which tells us how we're to fulfill the law of Christ then that would leave us with people who have made some sort of commitment to Christ but who are not actually fulfilling the law of Christ which in fact would call into question whether they're actually saved or not As someone has put it, a steady diet of gospel messages that do not help the saints grow out of infancy not only stunts their character, but also jeopardizes their final salvation. And so this series of sermons is largely about what we're saved to. It's about our privileges and responsibilities as part of the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, To be part of a community where people bear one another's burdens is a tremendous privilege. But it also brings with it the responsibility to bear the burdens of others. Those who are truly born again have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. As Paul tells us in Ephesians. So what do those good works look like in relation to our fellow church members? Well, one of the purposes of this series is to try and answer that question. 
Uh, And so coming this morning to think of the the privileges and responsibilities of being in in a community where people care for each other, uh, we consider firstly the burdens God's people carry. The burdens God's people carry. The world's strongest man will be on TV uh, next month as it is every December. Contestants have to pull aeroplanes, toss tractor tires and so on. The Atlas stones are uh, particularly impressive. Five huge heavy stones, each bigger than the last, which have to be lifted up and placed on a high platform. But those huge heavy stones pale in comparison to some of the burdens that God's people carry. Now, boys and girls, a burden is something that is heavy to carry. Uh, boys and girls, maybe you, you, help, uh, you try and help your mum carry a bag of shopping in from the car. Uh, but the bag is too heavy for you to lift. Uh, the burden is too heavy. And so she comes and helps you. She carries uh, one side and you carry the other. And she's helping you bear that burden. So bearing burdens, we're talking about carrying heavy things. And in the context of Galatians chapter 2, verse 2, it may be referring uh, primarily to the burden of sin. Uh, Verse 1, the previous verse says, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And and then immediately we're told to bear one another's burdens. Now, I'm not convinced that we should limit the meaning of bear one another's burdens to to that. Uh, Someone has said we should probably define a burden as anything which threatens to crush the joy of our faith. Whether a tragedy that threatens to make us doubt God's goodness or a sin that threatens to drag us into guilt and judgment. Paul goes on down in verse 10 uh, to talk about doing good to everyone uh, and especially the household of faith, which is definitely talking about doing good in a wider sense than helping believers who are struggling with sin. But at the same time, let's not forget that sin is the biggest burden that we can carry. Even when that burden has, like with Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, been lifted off us at the cross, we can still feel the the burden of the shame of of past sin. Boys and girls, the the story of Pilgrim's Progress, if you don't know the story, it's it's a story I'm sure that your mums and dads will, will read to you when you're a bit bigger. It's the story of a man who realises one day that he has something really heavy on his back, uh, like a huge rucksack full of bricks. Uh, But he comes, and he can't take it off, uh, but he comes to see that that burden that he feels on his back, that, that weight he feels, is a sin. And it's only when he goes to the cross where Jesus died that his burden of sin is taken off him. And we all need that to happen to us. And yet even once that does happen and we become Christians, 
We can still bear the burden of repeated failures in our struggle with a particular temptation that only we know about. Or we can feel the burden of embarrassing failures that other people know about all too well. Or we can face the burden of the ongoing consequences of past sin. Uh, decisions that we made either before we were Christians or, or even as Christians that continue to have a daily impact on us. As God's people, even as God's forgiven people, we can still be burdened by our sin. And we're called to, to bear one another's burdens. But God's people also carry many other burdens Perhaps your burden is a physical one, ill health or old age or, or again the consequences of past sin means that, that your, your, your daily health is an increasing struggle. Uh, perhaps your burden today is in the form of loneliness or grief at the loss of a loved one, uh, an ache uh, that never goes away. Others face burdens in relation to their families. Uh, difficult children or, or, or wayward children perhaps. An unhappy marriage. Or, or the, the busyness of life with young children and no family support around. Or the, the, the fact that the care for a family member falls particularly to you particularly at the moment, the, the burden that some of God's people face is financial uh, and the, the associated uh, anxiety that can come with that as costs are going up and wages aren't keeping track. In fact, perhaps a real basic question would be, do you know what burdens your fellow church members are facing? And if we don't Surely that's a problem somewhere because we're called to bear one another's burdens. But if we don't know what burdens other people are carrying, how can we do that? Now that doesn't mean that even in an ideal world that any one member of, of a church of any size will know what burdens that, that everyone else is carrying. But, but between us all, Surely we should have a pretty good picture. Surely there shouldn't be lots of burdens being carried in a congregation that, that not even a single other person knows anything about. And if we don't know what burdens other people are carrying, uh, there, there, there could be two reasons for that. Either some of those with, with particular burdens aren't willing to share them, or we aren't involved enough to know. Uh, perhaps we don't get alongside people in the church to the extent that they are going to know us well enough to share their burdens with us. But if we fall into either of those categories today, either not being willing to share our burdens with others or not involved enough in the lives of at least some of our, our fellow church members to know what their burdens are, 
Well, surely this verse would tell us that that is not a good situation to be in. Uh, that's not the, the picture of the church that we have here in the New Testament. Verse 5, it says that each will bear his own load. And although some Bible translations translate the word load there as burden, uh, the ESV rightly highlights that it's a different word in the original. Uh, the load here, uh, we could picture like a, a soldier's personal backpack or a baby in a mother's womb. Particular duties that we have that, that no one else can perform for us. Each of us has certain responsibilities that we must carry out for ourselves. But a burden is something far too heavy for one person to carry. And it won't be enough for us one day to simply say, well, I didn't know that they were carrying that all these years. Unless, unless we've done what we can to get alongside them. The most frequent of these one another commands in the New Testament is to love one another. And if anyone knows how a congregation of God's people can do that without being involved in the lives of at least some of their fellow church members, uh, please enlighten me. It was nearly 150 years ago when Charles Spurgeon said... I am afraid that in some places of worship, Christian men and women come to church and go home again without ever speaking to one another. But that, he said, was contrary to the mind of Christ. Because if we don't even talk to one another, or if we never get beyond small talk, we won't know what burdens each of us are facing. Never mind, be ready to, to fulfill the command to bear one another's burdens. The real test of whether we love other Christians isn't whether we have warm thoughts about Christians in general or, or whether there are, are certain Christians in certain places that we love. The real test is how we do at loving the Christians that God has put in front of us. People that we wouldn't naturally spend time with Christians in Somalia today are in great need I think it's third on the most recent list of persecuted countries and we, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Somalia uh, if there are ways that we can help them practically we will but the real test of our love isn't whether we love Christians in Somalia it's whether we love Christians in Stranraer. It's easy to feel warm and loving about Christians who are, are far away and that we, we never have to personally interact with uh, and who will never frustrate us or, or, or sin against us or, or, or make unwise decisions uh, despite us encouraging them not to. The, but the real test is how we love uh, the flesh and blood people God has put us with. Paul prays in 1 Thessalonians 3.12 May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. Or, or as the NIV puts it, May the Lord make you overflow with love for one another. Uh, and surely that has to be the starting point of burden bearing 
overflowing love for one another. But burden bearing is also part of what, what it looks like to, to live out that love for one another. It's not just that, that, that love for one another is a starting point, uh, but, but part of the way that we show that love for one another it is by helping bear one another's burdens. And don't we find actually that, that the more uh, we get involved in one another's lives, that the more that we, that we help bear one another's burdens, that the more our love for each other will increase. So firstly this morning, the burdens God's people carry. And if you're particularly conscious of a burden this morning, well yes, do what the hymn says first and foremost. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Other people will let you down at times, but God won't. Any church will fail to be what it should be at times, but God won't. But remember as well, that one of the purposes of the burdens that God in his sovereignty lays on us is to teach us that we need others. We need others to come alongside us and shoulder some of the load. And that brings us to our second point this morning, which is the call to bear one another's burdens. The call to bear one another's burdens. On to the second point, we're going to look at the command of verse 2 specifically, but also bear in mind verse 10. Verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Whereas verse, verse 10 also ties in with the idea of, of, of the care that we find in the church. Let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And boys and girls, remember that bearing someone's burden means helping them to carry it. Uh, and what the Bible is talking about here, boys and girls, it isn't talking mostly about helping someone with their shopping, though that, that might be, be a real way that we could help someone in the church. Uh, but but we're, we're thinking here as well as that of, of bearing the burden of someone when they're sad so that they don't have to be sad by themselves or, or helping them in anything that they're doing that they don't have to do it by themselves. Uh, for some Christians, uh, Christianity seems to be very much about what they don't do. They, they don't get drunk, they don't swear, they don't claim money they're not entitled to. And those are all good and right. But true biblical Christianity is not just about what we don't do. It's also about what we do do. True Christians are like their saviour who were told went about doing good. During the week I was listening to a talk by the Scottish preacher and author Sinclair Ferguson. He was brought up in Glasgow in the 1950s. His family weren't believers. They didn't go to church. Uh, they didn't send him to church. Maybe Sabbath school. Uh, and yet his parents were very strict. His dad once literally washed his mouth out with soap because of something that he said. One 
Sunday afternoon, Sinclair was horrified to see a neighbourhood boy playing football out the window. He wouldn't have been allowed to do that. So in terms of the, the negative aspects of God's law, in terms of the thou shalt not, his family ticked the boxes because you don't need the Holy Spirit just to not do some of the things that the people around you are doing. But in terms of the positive duties of Christianity, there was none of it. Because his parents weren't regenerate, the Holy Spirit didn't indwell them. And it's possible to, to not do the things that unbelievers around you do. Uh, perhaps even that you once did. It's possible to, to take flack for not doing those things. It would be even possible to, to lose your job for refusing to do something. But still not actually be saved. Think of Jesus sobering words on the day of judgment. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Those who will hear the fearful words depart from me. They're not condemned in that passage for doing bad things. I'm sure they did do bad things but that's not what they're condemned for. But they're condemned for not doing good things. Maybe they sat at home all day on a Sunday. They didn't outwardly break the Sabbath but they never welcomed the stranger. Jesus says I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Too often we hear commands such as bear one another's burdens and we think, sure someone else can do that. Which is perilously close to saying, am I my brother's keeper? But of course we are our brother's keeper. The first word of this section, Galatians 6 verse 1, the chapter starts with the word brothers. The last word is, or the last words are household of faith. That is the context of these commands. The context of brothers and sisters uh, living together in the household of faith. If you go to the cinema, if you go to, the, go to a concert, if you go to a football match, you don't have any responsibilities to those sitting next to you. Unless you, they have a, a medical emergency or something like that. But there's all the difference in the world between an audience of strangers or, or people who vaguely know each other and exchange some small talk on a Saturday. There's all the difference in the world between those things and the household of faith where those sitting in pews next to one another are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so if we don't bear one another's burdens in the household of faith, what are the reasons for that? It may be a lack of teaching. It may be having been brought up in an environment like Sinclair Ferguson where the negative duties of Christianity are lived out but not the positive. It may be, as I mentioned earlier, the person who could do with the help not being willing to let anyone else in. As if we think that we're spiritual strongmen, uh, where we have to bear the whole load ourselves. Uh, but, but none of us are in a spiritual strongman competition. 
Now, it is humbling to let others serve us. It may mean us opening up to others in a way we'd rather not. But if we don't, we're denying them the opportunity to serve. And again, I'm not talking about you have to let everybody in, but surely one or two. And when we do that, we discover God's magnificent design for the church. Or if we don't bear one another's burdens, it it may be the fault of of people who, who could help, but don't get alongside others to find out what their burden is. And what is it that stops us getting alongside others? Perhaps for some, shyness plays a role. Surely, even if we feel that there's only one or two other people in the church that, that we feel confident talking to, surely as we, as we talk to them and as those relationships develop, we'll, we'll see areas in their lives where we can offer to help. But the ultimate reason if we're not involved in one another's lives and if, if there's nothing physically or nothing to do with our stage in life, uh, thinking of old age or whatever preventing us, well, surely selfishness plays a big role. When we read in verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially the household of faith. Well, that's, that's not a way out. It's not that we should shrug our shoulders and say, well, it, I'd love, to, I'd love to help out, but no opportunities come along. What this verse is calling us to is a sensitivity to the needs and well-being of others. A sensitivity to the needs and well-being of others. And that will manifest itself in so many ways. It will manifest itself in, in helping someone in through the church door, even if we see they're struggling. Uh, something as basic as that. It's a sensitivity to the needs of others. Uh, looking round rather than just looking down or looking inwards. As, as someone has put it, this kind of life will not happen if we are preoccupied with ourselves Preoccupation with me and care for you cannot coexist. Preoccupation with me and care for you cannot coexist. He goes on, We will not bear the burden of others, nor will we be zealous to do good, unless Christ captivates our hearts and we walk by the Spirit. Sin turns us inward. Uh, The Spirit uh, reorientates us outwards. And before we leave this second point, let's try and put some flesh on the bones. What might bearing one another's burdens look like in our own setting? What might doing good to all men and particularly the household of faith look like in Stranraer? Well, I'll start with things that I know that people are already doing. And as I give these examples, please don't hear me saying that Every person at every stage in life must do these things. Especially for some of you who are getting older, more and more your need is for others to bear your burdens. But here are some examples, all of which people in our congregation regularly do actually. It's not an exhaustive list, but just to give you a flavour uh, and we're coming to serving next week. So this isn't an exhaustive list of ways that we can serve in the church. Uh, but, but more specifically focused on helping bear one another's burdens. Uh, 
Uh, firstly, on the more practical level, the, the practical things and spiritual things are, are often intertwined. Bearing someone's burden in our own congregation can look like visiting the housebound or those who are on their own. It can look like visiting someone in hospital. It looks and it has looked like, it regularly looks like making meals for those who are sick or have just had a new baby or an operation. It looks like looking after children for an hour or two so that a mother can go to an appointment or pack for a holiday. It can look like helping others with stuff around the house uh, where they need a bit of help. It can look like having people around for Sunday lunch or, or dinners through the week. It can look like helping out with church lunch uh, for those who are physically able and gifted in that area so it doesn't always fall to some people or, or contributing to it as others do. It can look like keeping an eye on someone's house for them while they're away and helping bear that burden from their mind. It can look like giving lifts to church, uh, which, which might seem a small thing, uh, but it can make a big difference. It can look like helping with, with practical stuff around the church to lighten the load of others. It can involve bearing the burdens of visiting ministers or holiday makers by picking them up, picking them up having them around for lunch and so on. Uh, and really, in, in any church of any size, the tendency is that, that tasks, uh, certain tasks seem to always fall to, 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 to a small group of, of people, no matter how big or small the church is. And, and a part of bearing burdens is, is helping out with that, so it's not always the same people. So that's the, the practical level on the emotional or spiritual level. Uh, which, which we want to get to as well. It can look like phoning people who are, are struggling or who are, are lonely or, or battling addictions. It can look like inviting someone around uh, to drop in for a cup of tea and a chat. It, it can look at, at texting someone uh, just to check in with them or, or tell them that you're thankful for them and are praying for them. It can look like praying for other people whether you, you tell them you are or not. Because there are some burdens that people carry that we're just not able to take on. And, and we have to, to recognise that as well. But we can't pray for them. We can't take their burdens to God. I, I hope hearing this list of, of things is encouraging uh, rather than exhausting. As it gives you a little glimpse into some of the things that go on behind the surface of our own congregation. Uh, there are certainly uh, reasons why I love this church. Uh, and one thing that stands out for me as I, I go through a list like that is, is that many of these things aren't spectacular. Uh, but many of them are things that need done regularly. Uh, this command to bear one another's burden isn't about doing something as a one-off. It would be easy to, to listen to, to some of the things on those lists and say, well, I did one of those things once, so I'm okay. Uh, but many of those things need done regularly. Some of them need done weekly. Maybe you wonder, well, where could I even start with some of these things? Uh, some good advice that I heard recently was to start with what you're already doing. Uh, the example was of, of parents with young children who aren't going to be able to, to, to take on 
uh, much in terms of new activities during uh, the week for example on a weekday evening at least one of them will have to stay at home but if you're already having dinner you can invite someone round occasionally you might not be at the stage of life where you're able to to meet up with a new christian or a non-christian and do a bible study with them maybe you were at that stage in the past and you might be at that stage again but you can have people around to your home around the time you're doing family worship and they can, you can minister to them by God's word in that way. Or if you're driving to church anyway, you can ask, is there someone else I can pick up? If you're going for a walk, you can ask, is there someone I could invite to, to come along on a walk with me to encourage them? Sadly, some people hear the words bear one another's burdens and automatically start thinking of ways that others should be serving us. As Spurgeon put it, people often come to this text and say, this verse is a cow and I will milk it, rather than this text gives me something to do and I will do it. But if we read this verse and our first thought is, what can I get rather than what can I give, then there's something wrong. So secondly, the call to bear one another's burdens and do good to our fellow believers as we care for them thirdly finally uh, a bit more briefly the example and power to live this out the example and power to live this out this command to bear one another's burdens like all the one another commands it makes big demands of us in fact i think my my father-in-law put his finger on on something during the summer when he made the comment that many professing Christians would rather sit on their sermons that simply say you must be born again every week because it doesn't put any demands on them. It doesn't put any mental demands on them to engage their their minds with with scripture, uh, even though we're called to, to, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And it doesn't put any demands on them in terms of lifestyle other than to live an outwardly respectable lifestyle uh, and keep keep their noses clean Uh, but those same people will be the first to complain about things in the church because it's always much easier to complain about others than to change our own lives there was once a woman in an inner city church who, who said to her minister pastor we just haven't seen enough signs and wonders in this church And her minister replied, well, there's a lady sitting over there who's just been evicted from her flat with her children. I would consider it a sign and a wonder if you would take them into your house to live for three months. And naturally speaking, it it would be a sign and a wonder. But the example of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit make living this way possible. I look look now at at the second half of the verse. What does Paul mean when he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ? Well, surely we would be right to make the connection with our Lord's words when he said, a new command I give you that you love one another. The law of Christ is his new commandment that we love one another. Or or as we read a few verses earlier from Galatians 5, 14, 
For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. There were those in the church in Galatia wanting to go back to the Old Testament ceremonial law. Circumcision and so on. But Paul is saying, if you want to live by law, live by the law of Christ. The attraction of circumcision is that it's easy. I mean, I'm sure it would hurt for a few days, but any sort of outward religious ritual is going to be much easier than living the kind of loving, self-sacrificial life that Jesus calls us to. And what is it about Jesus' commandment that is new? Well, clearly it's not the idea that we should love one another. Uh, That's not new. But what's new is at the cross, Jesus demonstrated a love that the world hadn't seen before. And while we're not saved by trying to follow Jesus' example, we're saved by putting our faith in what he did on the cross. If you haven't done that, then that must be the starting point before any of the rest of this. If you're still bearing the burden of your own sin, you must take it to the cross or else you, you will bear that burden for all eternity. And so, so we're saved by faith in Christ. We're not saved by trying to follow his example. His love, is, his love on the cross is more than our example, but, but it is not less than our example. It is not less than our example. Humanly speaking, it's impossible for us to, to love one another as he has loved us. Uh, Of course it is. But he has poured out his spirit to work this love in our hearts. It's no accident that that the fruit of the spirit are listed just a few verses before this. Uh, The primary fruit being love. Uh, And also including gentleness which provides a link to verse 1 where we are to restore those caught in any transgression. And really the call to, to bear one another's burden is a call to live out the fruit of the Spirit in relation to each other. Bearing one another's burdens out of love. Bearing one another's burdens joyfully. Bearing one another's burdens patiently. Bearing one another's burdens when people have brought those burdens on themselves. And bearing those burdens because God has has sown kindness in our hearts and not bearing them in a grudging way and above all because of the one who bore our burden of sin on the cross a burden which would have crushed us for all eternity and he calls us now in light of what he has done for us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill by the Spirit's power and God's grace in our lives, the law of Christ. Amen. We'll close by praising the Saviour who bore our burden of sin to the cross. Psalm 68, Psalm 68, verses 16 to 19 on page 144. Psalm 68, 16 to 19, page 144. Verse 16 begins with a prophecy of Jesus' ascension. And then in verse 17, we praise him as the one who daily bears our burdens. In verse 18, our God is a God who sets us free. That includes his setting us free from the burdens of sin in this life. 
and even with the with the, the help of God's people, will never be totally sin free in this earth. But one day, Satan, sin, and death will be fully and finally crushed. God's enemies and ours will be destroyed. As verse 19 puts it, God will certainly crush the head of those who are his foes. So in that hope, let's stand and sing these four verses in praise to him. Verses 16 to 19, we stand and sing. <laughs>